Well, welcome to See Here Love. I'm your host, Melinda, and we have a very special show for you today. Addictions, broken marriages, failed relationships, lost jobs. We've all experienced moments that leave us feeling broken and not good enough, longing for a fresh start. And today, Sheila Walsh, Bible teacher, TV host, powerful speaker, and best-selling author, helps us move past the cycle of struggle and pain by helping us change the way we think and helping us understand that it's never too late to start again and that there is healing and freedom in just taking that first step. Well, Sheila sat down with me to talk about eight practical, doable, and daily lessons she has learned while responding to the various crises in her life that have helped her move forward. She's a true inspiration. So let's listen to Sheila Walsh, and we'll discuss her thoughts after her interview. Let's take a look. Sheila, welcome, Hi. welcome. So good to have you here. Oh, it's lovely to have be here. Seat. This is great in our farmhouse I setting. Do you love it? I love your know. set. Very, very cool. Thank you. I know it's cozy. It's perfect for a little girl chat yeah. and girl time. All right, so here's the thing. I was looking at your life, reading about you. Author of over 5 million books. Incredible communicator, international speaker, TV host. How did you get here? Oh, and also a mom... Right? And a wife. And, 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 a, and a doggy mom as well. Very important. Yes. Very important. I know. I know. So how, how did you get here? Do you wonder sometimes, like, as a little girl, this is where I'd be today? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Me too. Gosh, no. Yes. That was the last thing in my, in my mind, particularly because of what happened in my childhood. Right. I mean, I was a bit of a tomboy before, but after my father had his brain injury and our house shifted completely. You know, there was just an awful night when my father tried to kill me and ended up taking his own life. So that just, that made me sure that there was something wrong with me. Hmm. And there was something inside of me that was not good. Because if your own dad, who used to love you, could turn on you, then you had to keep yourself pretty well hidden. So I did that for years. So sitting on a television, no. You would never, and, and, and probably people didn't look at you and say, oh, she's going to be on television and be speaking around the world. No, they thought. They looked at me and said, bless her heart. Yes. <laughs> How do you deal with family of origin pain? Because I know a lot of our viewers and listeners have, are struggling today with the pain that um, they've had to endure in family. I think there's all sorts of different things. I mean, I would imagine from your viewers that, I mean, some people have experienced, mine was physical, my, my dad was violent. Um, but for many, it's sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. For some, it's verbal abuse where you're just told, you know what, you're never going to, you're not worth anything. You're never going to be okay. You're never going to be enough. And those wounds, you know, they, they dig deep. People, yeah. I hate that saying that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. No, that's not true at not all. Not true. Words right. cut deep. And I think sometimes when we don't know what to do with the pain, we just shove it into the cellar of our souls yeah. and we just carry on as if nothing's wrong. But those messages have a way of seeping out into our lives. I lived with a profound sense of shame. Mm. And I think of guilt as, if I said something unkind to you, Mm -hmm. I would feel guilty until I could say, please forgive me. That was all my fault. So if guilt tells me I've done something wrong, shame tells me I am something wrong. And And there are many women, Sheila, that live with shame. Oh, yeah. You know, you can see that as you know, as you connect with women and why they don't do things, um, the way they talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. How do we get past shame? Because that's a big one. And I, I, and I say that with women because, I mean, I, I've dealt with shame because some of the decisions, the poor decisions I made in my life brought great shame 
on mm-hmm. me and, and had to you know, work through that and live with that until finally I made some choices. But what would you say to you know, a woman who's struggling with shame from decisions and choices she made that were, that were good? For me, the, the answer, I mean, Psalm, I think it's Psalm 56, say those who look to him will be radiant with joy. Mm-hmm. No shadow of shame will touch their faces. So I think for me, one of the greatest things was bringing that shame to Christ and knowing that he invites us to come as we are. So often we think, well, I'll tidy myself up Mm -hmm. and then I'll come back to God. But God said, no, no, come as you are, come where you are, come with who you believe yourself to be. Because sometimes we think, I am what happened to me or I am the decisions I made. No, when we've trusted Christ, you say, I am a child of God. And how does that happen? Because I think people are saying, yep, I, I agree with you, Sheila, but how do I make that first step in changing that tape recorder in my head? How do I make no. that courageous leap to believe that I am this beloved you know, child, daughter of God? For me, it started with daring to have a gut level, unedited conversation with God, okay. where I didn't say the right things or the holy sounding things, where I told God everything and I just poured it all out and told him I was angry and afraid and didn't understand. If you're good and you're God, why couldn't you stop that? Yeah. If you're loving, why wouldn't you want to stop it? Yeah. Just all the things that we hold inside because we think, well, you can't say that to God. I, I believe to the level that we're willing to be honest with God Mm -hmm. is an indication of how much we actually trust Him. God is big enough to take your stuff. I love that because I think we're too afraid to either approach God with that or we think that He doesn't care. Um, But I think that's a call to women and men today to say, it's okay, put up your fists and just share and tell and yell and scream at God about these feelings. Absolutely. If you look in... In scripture, I mean, if you look at like Jeremiah, the prophet was like, you know, I wish I was dead. Job, so right. many people yes. were like, okay, Elijah, kill me now. I'm done. Yeah. But those are the people that you discover that God moved in. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. our, our honesty invites the presence of God. Yes. And it's when we're pretending and putting on a face that there's this barrier. But when you are raw with God, mm-hmm. in scripture, Psalm 34 said, he's close to the brokenhearted. Oh, that's beautiful. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's so encouraging. You know, Sheila, you coined the phrase, it's okay not to be okay. And I was thinking about this because if I, when I was younger, if I heard that, I'd be like, no, yeah, there is no way it's okay to not be okay. Because what I've been taught or what I see in society and culture is no, you have to always be okay. You have to front this beautiful life and beautiful persona and look. But as I've gotten older, I've actually come to believe what you've just coined. Let's talk about that. How did that come to be? And what does that mean? I mean, it's, it's very uh, refreshing. It's very um, liberating, yeah, that quote, isn't so. it? Yeah. Well, I really came across, I was cleaning out drawers and I came across a photograph and I'm 21 years old. I have short black hair. Um, I know that was my natural color. <laughs> Apparently now I no longer have a natural color. So there you go. Like black like this. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, but And there's a look on my face. I'm just graduating from seminary. And I know that I'm thinking I'm just ready to take on the world for Jesus. And I wish I could talk to that girl and Mm -hmm. have said to her, you know what? This is not going to be the life you imagined. You're going to disappoint people and they're going to disappoint you. You're going to have your heart broken, but you'll survive. Mm -hmm. And there'll be times when you're sure that God is not close, but he's always there. And it will change how you see people, not as causes to be saved, Uh, but as people to be loved. Yeah. That's good. And it's okay not to be okay because yeah. there are many days I'm not okay. Oh, well, yeah. Like I'm not down and depressed. There are days like that too. But there are moments where it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm not great. 
I'm okay. And yet I'm okay with that being okay. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> because we're living in plan B. Right. This was never God's original plan. God's original plan was that you and I would never look in the mirror and think, how do I look today? Or why, am, why is my hair, why don't my pants fit? And what's wrong with this? <laughs> so we're living in plan B, yeah. but Christ is a redeemer in plan B. Mm. You know, we're not home yet. So to expect perfection here is to set ourselves up to fail. I, for 30 years, I pursued perfection and it almost killed me. It's exhausting. It is exhausting, but now I pursue Christ who's mm. perfect and I get to come just the way I am. You know, and that comes to mind like in your book, uh, It's Okay Not To Be Okay, that whole idea of, you know, women really struggle with, we're, you know, we're not good enough, mm-hmm. which I think is, you know, and I, I, I've struggled with that. And, and, you know, women who have written to me have said, you know, that's one of the biggest issues. Yeah. I always feel I'm not good enough. I don't measure up to my husband. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough colleague. I'm not a good enough baker, mm-hmm. sewer, you know, driver, whatever it is. We're always comparing against things. How do you stop that madness? Because I think it's madness. Mm-hmm. So that is madness to constantly live in I am never good enough. Yeah, and comparison is deadly. Yes. You know, if we look at one another and think, well, she's taller than me or she's thinner than me or her husband's... Everybody's taller than me, Sheila. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not much taller. (laughs) But I think, you know, one of the things that God showed me when I was invited to join this group called Women of Faith, where we were speaking in these big arena events, you know, 15,000 people. And I remember my very first one, hearing the first two speakers and excusing myself and locking myself in the toilet and saying, Lord, I can't do that. I'm not... I'm not smart like her and I'm not funny like her. And I felt the Lord say to me, Sheila, run in your own lane. Run in your own lane. Be who I've uniquely created you to be. And you actually get to like being you. It's very, you can then appreciate other people too. And you don't need to be competing with them. Yeah, that is refreshing. That actually takes off a lot of the sort of like this bondage and things that we put on to say, I need to be like her. And, you know, social media doesn't help, you know, flipping through Instagram and Facebook and you're like, wow, those lives are amazing. I never measure up. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, run in your own lane. God is uniquely, you know, um, given you gifting and talents to be you. And so often when we're younger, I remember as a younger woman thinking, you know, if I could just be 10 pounds thinner. I've I've basically been trying to lose those 10 pounds for about 42 years. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) Same as me. (laughs) You know, a little bit thinner, a little bit, then I would be acceptable. And then people would like me. The truth is most people don't care about that. If you actually Ah. make peace with who you are and you show up, there's something unique about you. Okay. You just said most people don't care about that. Yeah. Okay, that's huge because I th- we do a lot of our stuff mm-hmm. because we think people care about that. And so I'm always trying to manage and be who other people want me to be. But most, pa- most people are not even thinking about that. Oh, They're thinking about freeing. what's wrong with themselves. Right. And if you <laughs> true, actually true. make peace in your own skin, yeah. then you're able to just to enjoy your life, but also to, to be present for other people, oh, not to good. be perfect. Just be there. That's good. In your book, It's Okay Not to Be Okay, I want to just quickly go through these eight steps on moving forward, getting through the storm and tease a little bit about these chapters because they resonate with me and I know they resonate a lot with our viewers and listeners. So the first step on moving forward is take the first step. It sounds like a no-brainer, but take the first step. Taking the first step is just being honest. How many people drag their baggage into church every Sunday, worship and drag their baggage home again? Find a moment, find a place and a space and be honest. Good. Number two, admit that you are stuck and struggling. Yikes! But that's hard because sometimes we want to make it seem like we've got it all together. And one of my most honest conversations with God is, you know what? I'm stuck here. 
you know, I want to be the person that gets up at five o'clock in the morning and reads all of Jeremiah before, <laughs> I, you know, for a good. Right. But I'm stuck here and yeah. I'm struggling. And there's something about being honest and even sharing it with a friend, yeah. finding one safe person and saying, hey, you know what, I'm stuck here. Sundays you'll discover that person might be too and you can help each other. That's excellent. Okay, number three, change the way you think. Yeah. All in here. I think a lot of times in the church, we pay more attention to what is on the exterior, how we seem, than our internal transformation. So I think if you can change, I call it re-wallpaper your mind. Mm -hmm. Don't let the old tapes play over and over again. Find a scripture and put it on a sticky note and take it with you all all day and begin to re-wallpaper your mind and change the way you think. I like that. And I love wallpaper. So I, yeah, actually, I'm, even envision- yeah. <laughs> I'm actually envision- you know, envisioning the wallpaper in my, in my mind. Okay, number four, face the what ifs even if you're afraid. How many talented people are there out there who are thinking, well, I'd love to do that, but what if I fail? Right. What if I fall? What if I make a mistake? Yeah. And my thing is, you know what? Do it afraid. Don't wait till you're not Agreed. afraid. Commit your way to, to the Lord and step through and do it afraid yeah. and leave the, leave the responsibility to God. You know, and he's with us. Like yes. I've learned that too. It's like, you're not alone. Yeah. So I have a great community, a great family, and then God with me. It's yeah. like, you can conquer anything, right? And I, and I, I agree with that failure is good. People need to fail to then, I think for me, it builds character and it helps you just sort of cling to God more yeah. so it's not just you doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. I love that. Excellent. Okay. Number five, let go of what you can't, yikes, control. That's hard. For, for women, that is so hard because <laughs> we just want to, but there's times when you realize, you know, I love Psalm 56, um, 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Well, as a young teenager, I tried to be still and it drove me nuts. <laughs> me too. Till I went to seminary and re- realized the Hebrew root of be still, it means let go. Let go and know that I am God. Let go of what you're trying to control and give it to him. It's almost like a posture prayer in the morning rather than like, you know how we do this? Mm-hmm. It's almost like we should pray this way. Yeah, open-handed. Open-handed, let go. Yeah. Okay, number six, rise above disappointment. That's hard. Yes, it is. There's not one single person on this planet who hasn't faced disappointment. Right. And sometimes when something doesn't go the way we pray, then we think, is God mad with me? Why did he answer her prayer and he didn't answer mm-hmm. my prayer? What's wrong with me? Yeah. But I think when you realize that the hope that we've been given, you know, we've been told this hope will not disappoint. Our faith in Jesus is not wishful thinking. It is a solid mm. hope based on who he is and it will ultimately never disappoint. Beautiful. All right, Uh, last two is number seven. Celebrate your scars as tattoos of triumph. That's one of my favorite chapters. I I love that, I love that. I can even visually see that, it's great. Because if you think about it, God tells his story in scars. When you look at the hands of Christ, Christ could have chosen to rise from the grave without the marks of crucifixion, but he kept them. And to me, our scars are proof that God heals. They're no longer open wounds. They're scars, they're, they're markers. And if our Savior is not ashamed of His scars, why would we be oh, ashamed to show ours? That's powerful. That makes me quite emotional because I, there's been a lot of scars and a lot of times we want to cover the scars, put foundation and makeup over the scars yeah. to cover them. But I think that's really freeing for women to say, no, we wear our scars, you know, as, as a symbol of God's redemption and grace in us. I was at a conference you know? last weekend, a 15-year-old girl, after I spoke on this, came up and pulled up her sleeves and showed me all the places. She was a cutter and she said, I've never shown them to anyone before. Oh. And I said, you offer those up as an act of worship. Oh, that's beautiful, Sheila. All right, last one, Sheila. Number eight, decide to start again and again. Not just again, yep. it's like 
and again. Because that's how we are. We think, okay, I've got this eight steps, a plan, I'm on it. And then we fall down, Mm -hmm. as we will. But then you get up and you start again Mm -hmm. and you start again and you start again. start again and you start again. Sheila Walsh, thank you so much. Um, Your book, It's Okay Not to Be Okay. What a wonderful uh, read for anybody who is struggling to get through the storm. Or even it can be preemptive. Like even we know storms are going to happen. So maybe read it while you're in a really good place so that you'll be prepared when the storm happens. It was lovely talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. It was great to have you here. Hey, it's Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this amazing conversation, but I just wanted to let you know you're listening to the See Here Love with Melinda podcast, a web and television series produced by Crossroads Christian Communications. We get to produce fun, meaningful content for our See Here Love audience by the generosity of our supporters. So how can you help us and keep See Here Love on the air? We'll go right now to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. So much love and thanks to you. Now let's get back to our conversation. Well, welcome, Joanna, Cheryl, Brooke, and Lisa. Was that not a fantastic interview? Wow, Sheila. Well, let's talk about what we learned from her. And let's start off with the phrase that she coined, it's okay not to be okay. Mm -hmm. Did it disturb you? Did it encourage you? Did it frighten you? How did you feel when she said that? Joe? Yeah, I think... It depends maybe what kind of a culture you come from, especially if you're a church person. Uh, in my <laughs> church, that is a normal thing. That's, that doesn't feel controversial at all. But I know for some people, they come from a church where when you go to church or when you're in front of people, you have to present in a certain kind of a way. Yeah. Um, it's not okay to talk about going to therapy or you know, mental health or you know, anything like that because it's a taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that she's bringing this more into the forefront for people who are not okay, but don't have a place to talk about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Cheryl? Definitely my world, my church upbringing, my culture, uh, strong strength, presenting strength, mm-hmm. uh, not showing any breaking or weakness at all. So that phrase, it's okay not to be okay, the whole entire book gave me permission to breathe. Mm. Wow. It just, it changed my life. It, wow. it, it, it softened me in areas that I was very hard and it mellowed me out where I was too intense. And I'm, I mean, I'm on a journey, but it's, it planted some really good seeds mm. for me. Mm. Good. Yeah. yeah. Brooke, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, it was really encouraging for me because I think that like, at what point in my life am I ever, do I ever have it all together? Never really. You know, I'm always on a new journey and a new thing. And so it was just encouraging to know that like we can come to God as we are yeah. with whatever we're walking with or carrying, like we can come to God. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. That was my response to absolutely it's okay not to be okay. And who really is perfectly okay? And in fact, the other tagline that came to my mind is you're okay because you're not okay. Because it's a recognition of your fallenness and hey, you're not going to do this alone. Anybody yeah. who thinks here, it's a very isolation, very lonely. Um, and then of course, God, when he speaks into that space, it's like you're actually not okay and it's okay to be that because yeah. I'm everything else. So yeah. I love the title. Cool. I think yeah. it's really great. It's good. Well, Sheila shared uh, with me eight lessons um, about how to start again, how to make that first step. Which one really resonated with you? There were eight. Which one resonated with you and why? How have those helped you as, you, have you, as you've been reading and thinking about it? Joanna. For me, it's the changing the way you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized when I when I first went to a counselor's office many, many years ago uh, that it was my thinking that was leading to the places where I was feeling anxiety and depression, that I actually had to change the way I thought about myself, thought about the history I come from, thought about hurts or unforgiveness or 
uh, even the things that I think I'm good at and not good at and all that kind of stuff, I had to change it. It's that we were transformed by the renewing of our mind, that when God takes a hold of our life, he actually changes how we think. It's a brain surgery kind of a thing. And it happens like every single day. Because aren't we always like confronted with things? We realize, whoa, like, or someone who loves us says like, you're really not thinking clearly about this one. Like, let me offer a different perspective. So we have to change the way we think to become more healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Admit that you're stuck and struggling. (laughs) And uh, I have so many thoughts on that. But I I, my life, I found my life in this particular text here where she says, I also saw at times my understanding of God's love for me was based on how things were unfolding in my life. Mm -hmm. When things were going well, I felt that God loved me. And when things were hard, I felt alone. Well, man, that was a mirror for me because I, I can see the roller coaster of my life and, and the, the movement based on the blessings, mm-hmm. based on the abundance mm-hmm. and that feeling of being alone when it seems scarce and stormy and hard. Mm-hmm. When um, God is so faithful, so mm-hmm. consistent, I was challenged to have a consistent view. Yeah. Right. Wow. To mm-hmm. change my view and my heart and to be that enduring um, you know, walk of trust with him, like yeah. not based on how many of us do that, yeah. right? And that's good because admitting is the first step <laughs> because a lot of times we don't admit it. We don't want to yeah. see it. We're blind to it. Yeah. And I think admitting it's a And our big, faith walk is attached yeah. to stuff, you know, coming yeah. and going. Yeah, and, oh, that's yeah. good. That's good, having a consistent view of who God is, yeah. right? Like yeah. he doesn't change. Yeah. Um, Brooke, your, your yeah. point. I'm smiling as you're, as you're talking, <laughs> saying like, Give us a point. I was writing. Uh, I had my computer on the airplane on the way home from tour, and I was uh, my seatmate looked over and she was like, "Oh, what are you writing?" And I was writing chapters about the chapters I was reading. <laughs> I was so. <laughs> I I loved I loved this book. It was transformative for me. And uh, there's a saying she says, "Do it afraid," because when we show up afraid and all, then then God can do what only God can do. Mm-hmm. And I think about even for me being on the show, I ask God um, for opportunity to speak more. And I, I feel like I'm not a, a great communicator. I just, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked and God delivered and I was afraid. And, and, but when I show up and do the best I can, uh, then God can do what only God can do. Yeah. And He you know? speaks through that. Yeah. yeah. He speaks through that. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just thought that was really powerful. Mm-hmm. That's good. Lisa. I was just thinking back to Joanna's point, like get out of your own headspace, right? Change the way you think. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a chapter about the scars and how they can be tattoos for triumph. And um, that over that whole concept that she talks about in that chapter, I wanted to, I overlaid it on top of Ephesians 6, where Paul talks about the armor of God. And one day we'll all stand before Christ. In my, in my brain, it's like if, when I stand before Christ, Christ, I don't want my armor to be in mint condition. It should be dented. Yeah. It should have bruises, like maybe that. missing parts. <laughs> like, and those are some of the scars or the wounds that we have that Jesus heals because it shows us that we did the best we could in a fallen world. What God allowed in our lives, we received both good and bad. We placed ourselves in his hands and we trusted him to lift us up before that. And those scars are ours. Yeah. In many ways, when we understand that he is sovereign and good and faithful and true, they're a precious gift and to treasure those. Yeah, and she talks about living from a place of being uh, um, scarred versus being wounded. You know, your husband's left you, uh, your children are not following, whatever's happened in your life, you can make a decision to live uh, wounded. 
yeah. to live in that, or you can live healed. Yeah. And your scars are uh, proof that God heals. Yeah. Yeah. Just like yeah. the scars on, on the hands of Jesus. Yes, you know, he shows, and he yeah. was proud of his scars. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. So that's I, I powerful. I love that. And, and I think that that was a good reminder because a lot of us try to hide the scars. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cover them up. Like, I, I just want to be like, you know, those are forgotten. I just don't want anyone to see them or know about them. Yeah. yeah. But it was very empowering when she said, yeah, but look, yeah. you know, God himself, Jesus kept the scars, yeah. right? And I was just like, wow. Like my, my whole body went into like, wow, I never thought about that yeah. before. Yeah. I think that is so powerful. It's also the natural wear and tear on our bodies. Cause I know as females and women, sometimes the wrinkles get to us, but it adds character. <laughs> like I am a it's whole, true. it adds character to who you are. Yeah. I'm too young for wrinkles. I'm gonna fight wrinkles, people. I feel like I earned them. Yes, absolutely. Every single one of them. Well, during the interview uh, with me, Sheila shared this Bible verse. It's Psalms 34, 17 and 19. And I know, Joanna, you have that. And I think it's such an encouraging verse for us today. It says, uh, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted Mm -hmm. and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Mm. Oh. And I love in this where it says at the end, the righteous person may have many troubles. We're going to have those things. We're going to have them. Like how great are our troubles, but greater still is our God. That like, however, like if you fall five times, he picks you up six. Mm. It's this idea of like his grace, his compassion, his mercy, his presence in our life. Mm -hmm. Uh, For every time we are wounded or hurt, he is there just as close as the time before. Yeah, that's Um, good. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, the the psalm is written by David, and he's in a cave. He's hiding out. The king's King Saul is wanting him for murder. <laughs> like he's trying to, you know, he's trying to like accuse him of all these things. He's trying to murder him. He's hiding in a cave, and he writes this song to give courage to the guys that he's hiding in the cave with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he just reminds him again, like for every time we've been stuck in a cave, uh, God has taken us out every yeah, single time. What are your thoughts about the verse? Mm-hmm. Powerful. How does that encourage you? Yeah, I mean, I hope to be like David, giving encouragement and, and writing those prayers in the midst of my own disasters, writing those prayers for my friends and for yeah. the people around me, yeah. just as a testimony of like who God is in my life. Yeah, like no life is not perfect and we all have things, we've all been through things, whether we've brought them on ourselves or they've been done to us. Yeah. But. Yes, God remains faithful and He remains good. Yeah. And that shows up in your songs. Those are the kind of songs you write. Yeah. Like you write them out of those places. You write them from your caves. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, what about you? I the love verse. I love um, what, what David has gone through. I appreciate that he's got his own scars too, yeah. my goodness. And what I love about these verses is that it also stretches into not just the end of your life on this earth. The righteous may have um, tr- troubles, they will. I mean, we all will. But then it reaches into eternity. Yeah. Like yeah. even if every single day of your life was suffering, like you were born in year 200 of the 400 years of slavery for Israel, he will redeem that. And he's not just out to make your life comfortable here. He is a God that reaches beyond what is just this life. That's what I love about this. That's right. That's good. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm just everything they said and times 10, I'm just so challenged that in times of pain and crisis that rather than the natural inclination to roll away from Mm -hmm. God Mm -hmm. and go into my cave that I would draw near. 
mm-hmm. that my that in pain I would go closer to yeah. God, mm-hmm. and that in pain I would see God more clearly. I think I got really challenged by the book and that scripture because mm-hmm. we we run mm-hmm. right when we're hurting we we coil. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love that it's okay not to be okay as long as you choose to get up yeah. and keep going. Yeah. yeah. Right? You don't stay that way. Yeah, you yeah. don't stay that way. Yeah. Uh, there's the grace part of it where we acknowledge our pain and our hurt and we're just not okay. Mm. Yeah. But you don't stay there. And that was what's really encouraging with Sheila. She says, it's okay not to be okay, you know, only if you get up, trust God, and make that first yeah. step. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was so encouraged by her. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts. I'm glad her thoughts and her book encouraged oh. you. I think that's amazing. And to Sheila Walsh, thank you so much for your presence today and for stopping by See Here Love to share your encouraging thoughts with us. And to you, our viewers, listeners, and friends, we hope that our conversation today will help you start again. Even when life has been hard, it's okay not to be okay if you choose to not be afraid and you choose to make that first step to move forward with God's help. Change the way you think. Fill your mind with hope and faith and courage. We know you can do it. You can do it. And if you'd like to learn more about what we've talked about today, connect with us at seeherelove.com to read our blogs and devotionals and to watch our vlogs on starting again. I know they will help you. And always know, as you start this new season strong, you are seen, you are heard, and deeply loved by God. Bye-bye. See Here Love with Melinda is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. That's 1-800-265-3100. Tune in next week for more honest conversations with Melinda and the See Here Love team.